St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day is special. It may not be St. Patrick's Day when you're listening or watching this, but it's this week. And uh, if this is turning in now to a tradition on, on St. Patrick's Day, I would like to welcome a friend of the show, a legend, Paul Paps. Now, Paul, uh, I brought you a special gift, a special surprise. We have the, uh, what's, what's changed in your absence? We now have the Nitro Surge machine over here. It's oh, wow. device. Yeah, I you guys have got big time since I last checked in. You got sponsors. You're no, no, no. <laughs> you checking? We're, we're not sponsored by Guinness, but yeah, we, we, we'd love to be. But here, it's it's great to have you on. Happy St. Patrick's Day. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. It, it's great to be on with you guys. I, it's such a fun time with the NFL right now because it almost feels like if, I don't know if you know what college football like. It's the transfer portal and people are just jumping all over the place. This week on my show, the Dan Patrick Show, it, it's been every day something happened with Calvin Ridley with 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 uh, uh, Russell Wilson, with Aaron Rodgers. It's, just, it, it's like hour by hour. And Paul, like essentially one of the, probably the biggest story this week, we had the Aaron Rodgers, we kind of always knew he was staying, but the Russell Wilson trade, that was on, that broke last year, essentially on your show. That was, Russell goes on and he kind of announces that he, yeah, maybe I might right. be thinking about leaving Seattle. You've watched it play out over the last year. Now he's a Bronco. Yeah, Seattle is um, – I'm going to start with the Broncos side of this. You know, their issue was since they got rid of John Elway, they've been searching for a quarterback. They got Peyton Manning in that weird situation where he hurt his neck and then he got the number one pick of the draft for the Colts and Andrew Luck went there. And that worked out for like a year and a half and they got a title out of it. But the Broncos fixed their problem. Their problem was a high-end quarterback. I don't really care what they gave up for him. I really don't. Draft picks are cute and, and people are like, ooh, we got eight draft picks. But if you don't have a quarterback, I don't know if it really matters. And they have a pretty decent team. The Broncos have a good defense, some nice skill position players. And with Russell Wilson, he doesn't need much more than that. He just needs to be in games and with the ball in the fourth quarter. On the other angle, Seattle, I, I, it's not that I like what they did. Because anytime you lose a star quarterback, you're doing something wrong or something is wrong with your franchise. However, I think they thought to themselves, we're going to lose Russell Wilson in two years to free agency. Or we could lose him two years earlier and get a whole bunch of draft picks. So um, it, it's like selling the house you don't want to sell, but the, the market's hot. You got to take what the market uh, gave you for Russell Wilson. And now you got to get to work and find another quarterback. Paul, I, I was watching your show last week with Dan Patrick, and he's were discussing Saquon Barkley. And our GM at the Giants has essentially said everybody's available. You know, if the right if the right offer comes in, and he's had a really good conversation through where you felt he would be in terms of a trade offer. You know, is there any, do you think it's a second? Do you think it's a third or is that too, too high up? Well, it's, I think it's a little bigger than that. The problem with uh, American football, the running back position is it's such a low value position. Um, when you come out of college, they don't draft you that high because they don't want to spend the money on you because they can get a running back in the second and third round. If you end up being a star running back, you're trying to get that second contract and paying a running back a second contract in the NFL is a terrible idea. It's been proven. Derrick Henry got a second contract with the Titans. However, he didn't get a lot of work his first two years with the Titans. He doesn't have the mileage, believe it or not, that other guys have. Saquon Barkley was a high draft pick. They shouldn't have drafted him. There was, they had other needs in the New York Giants, in my opinion. And he was a good player for a while. Now he's an injured player. He is a star, air quotes, but he is um, he doesn't have value. Uh, I think a team can give up a third-round draft pick for him. But then you may say to yourself, well, if he's injured and not doing well, we could have used that third-round draft pick on a college kid and, and paid him basically nothing. The, it's really a flawed position financially in the NFL. But, Saquon, if I were a team like um, the Los Angeles Rams, 
and I had a fourth round draft pick, a third round draft pick that I could let go and get him, to me, that's like a luxury item for a Los Angeles Rams. You just won the Super Bowl. You're not that great at running back. You're a passing team first, but Saquon could do very well there. Probably a similar mindset to when they went for Sony Michelle last yeah. offseason. Yeah. And has a higher version of Sony Michelle in theory if he's healthy. Yeah. I'd say Fritzy's a very happy man at the minute, Paul, uh, after the whole Russell Wilson thing. Yeah. Talk to us about the, the Paul Pops offseason, man. No, no, not, not the cozy. I, I enjoy the cozy tweets like everyone else, but uh, have you been in Vermont much since you were in LA? Sort of oh, thing? yeah. Like, uh, we, we get a lot of Vermont time. We got a little cabin up there in southern Vermont. Um, we have a, I got a basement in Vermont, and it's kind of like it's concrete. It's kind of in bad shape. But what I did was I took a couple TVs and kind of just stuck them up on a wall and got a streaming system. So I've got these three about 30-inch TVs that are kind of old, but it's like my emergency football watching room in Vermont. You guys would be proud of me. It's all secondhand furniture. The rest of the house is pretty nice, you know, a lot of plaid stuff everywhere. But I've got this bunker downstairs for Sunday afternoons, and now my, my friends come down there and watch football. So it's it's pretty good. But the offseason, the, I'll tell you one thing about the offseason in the NFL. Sometimes it's better than the actual season because you could be in November and your team's out of it. I'm a Bears fan. November and December are basically exhibition games sometimes for my team. But right now, my team feels relevant. They're, they're trying to you know make trades. They're trying to reset their roster. So it, it, it's 12 months a year. Paul, um, I, about a month ago now, you uh, quote tweeted Chris uh, Farley's entrance onto uh, D- Dave Letterman's show, and it's it's one of the great entrances. And I, I, I suppose I'm, I'm thinking that I'm thinking the way Ray Lewis used to take to the field. Right. We don't re- we don't really see that any anymore. The the, the kind of entertainment factor is is gone a, a a little bit on that side. Is it is it is it all the splash plays that we just focus on? now you know i i think you have a point there i hadn't thought about it until now it doesn't seem like the theatrics are there people celebrate and dance when they make plays but no one's really over the top i think maybe people are a little polarized by the reaction on social media you know ray lewis didn't care what people thought of him chris farley was an entertainer going with that clip you're talking about i'm i grew up a david letterman fan he's my all-time favorite media personality and just one of my heroes and uh i've heard different comedians we've had different comedians on our show the dan patrick show and they talk about the first time they went on David Letterman, and they're like, this is different. You want to please Dave. You want to hear Dave laughing out of the corner of your ear. And um, I know this guy named Doug Robinson. And Doug Robinson is a pretty well-known agent. He's, he's now the executive producer of a show called The Goldbergs, a popular show on ABC. He was Chris Farley's agent at the time. And he was with Chris in the green room and back before Chris went on Letterman. And Chris went in there and said, Hold on tight. I'm going in. That's what he, that's the last thing he said to Doug Robinson. He runs in, charges the crowd up, picks the guy over his shoulder, and throws him into the garbage can outside. And David Letterman, I think, says something like, enjoy this, sir. That's the greatest entrance every, anyone's ever made in the history of the show. And you see Farley actually go like this, like, because that was the comedian's goal. You get on Letterman and you crush. You're kind of like uh, got the lifetime hall pass with Dave. So uh, that's always one of my favorite clips to watch on YouTube. I just, when I'm bored sometimes and in a bad mood, I just, Click, click, and Chris Farley will make you laugh. Paul, when we were at the Super Bowl, one thing that I wasn't taken aback by. But Look how casually he says it when we were at the Super Bowl with our Irish show. I know, like, I mean, here, that, that, like, if you ask Brian, that's, it's been a mod year, Brian. Like, Jesus. Look at these guys. You guys are big time. I love this. This is great. Well, what I was going to say was after the game, like, we were, me and Colin were talking after the game, and I'm a Giants fan, and 
Collins Broncos fan. My first Giants game was Giants Broncos Super Bowl right. back in 1987, Gen, uh, January, late January 87. So we're, we're story franchises. The Rams really aren't at this stage. You know, they've moved around. And one thing that was very evident at the game and after the game was how many Bengals fans were there. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's been a long time for them. And then obviously, the next day, the celebrations, you know, it took a while for the fans to get there. It's a tough market in LA. Yeah. Will, will they get there to that stage? You know, we were out on the Saturday night and there was a big Chargers rally, you know, and there was more Chargers fans there than there was Rams fans on the Saturday night. It's a tough market. That happened. Yeah, I would say the answer is no. I, I think Los Angeles is a casual sports town. I'm sure there's hardcore fans. Like every town has hardcore fans, but there's a lot of different options. I mean, I, I saw on Super Bowl Sunday people out like skateboarding and stuff. They showed a shot of Venice Beach, like, not even watching the game. I think the Rams are doing well there. You win the Super Bowl, you, you got some good traction. I don't think the Chargers ever should have moved to San Diego. They had a really nice fan base down there. LA doesn't need two teams. They barely needed one. Um, but if you go back in the day, USC football back in the Matt Leinart, Reggie Bush days, they were running that town for just a little bit. You know, the late, it's a Lakers-Dodgers town. But um, the, the Rams, they're entrenched now with winning almost always, you know, gets you back in the game. And it's not a hardcore football town. It's more, much more Lakers, much more Dodgers. But they put on a good Super Bowl. And the one thing L.A. does have, though, is free agents want to play there. If, if I was a free agent and could play in, no offense, Green Bay or Los Angeles, lifestyle-wise, Los Angeles may win out in a lot of cases. So I think they've got that going for them. I, I really love the setup at SoFi, and obviously the NFL media setup now is mad. I do want to give a shout-out to some of the Bengals, brand. I want to give a shout-out to our man Kenny Kerr from Athens, Ohio. Kenny gave me his business card. He's like 70-odd years of age. Hi, Kenny. How's it going? But, yeah. uh, Paul, seriously, man, um, you had a hell of a week out there because I was sitting, these guys went over early, and I couldn't go out until the Friday. And mm-hmm. you had a great setup with some serious guests. Like I got to the point where I was about to tax column saying, should we tax Paul and tax Will <laughs> Farrell and try yeah. and get something going on the sun? But we thought you, you guys would be the media party. We we're going on the Friday, we we're gonna have a big party. We had this whole thing planned, Paul Guinness, etc. It was gonna I be know. so when we do the Dan Patrick show in Los Angeles, um, we get on set at by 7 a.m. every day, which is 4 a.m. local time. Which and I don't want anyone to feel f- sorry for me. I'm just explaining what we do. We go to bed at. Um, I went to bed every night at 7:45, which is the, the most uncool thing on earth. But if you think about it, that's 10:45 Eastern time, New York time, where I live full time. So Dan and the guys on the show, we we're going out to dinner at 5:05 p.m. We were the least cool people in Los Angeles. You can get a table anywhere in Los Angeles at 5:05 p.m. The workers are just getting in. They're putting on their aprons and stuff, and we're like, "Can we get a table for seven? Like. Yeah, you can, because there's nobody here yet. We're barely open. But um, the one thing about being in Los Angeles is Dan's developed a lot of relationships with people out there, and we have as a show. And we asked Will Ferrell to come on. We didn't ask him. He texted us and said, what what days are you guys going to be in L.A.? I want to make sure I could plan my schedule. He checked in with us to make sure he could come by the show, because he's a guy who likes talking football and all types of stuff. So it's really cool. Adam Sandler he was in a position where he was home for only two weeks between movies he's shooting. He's going to like, I think he's going to Paris for six weeks. And he, he was on the phone with Fritz. He going, all right, I'm coming in. I don't know what day I'm coming in because the wife has me on lockdown. So I'm just going to run in one day when she's like out doing something. And he goes, I'm not telling anybody. I'm going to be wearing shorts, a t-shirt and, you know, s- slippers. And that's exactly what happened. He texts Fritzy at, uh, I don't know, 5.15 a.m. local time said, I'm on my way. 
and he pulls into the parking lot all by himself, no security, no agents, no nothing. And all of a sudden, the security guard looks up and goes, where's Adam Sandler? And uh, he walks in. He looked like he was getting ready to go to bed. I mean, his hair was over here. He had a sweatshirt on and basketball shorts. And he jumped in and told us funny stories. And it, you never, it never gets old. I mean, that, those are some pretty legendary uh, figures there. But I also like, um, as an old school football fan, like when we have the broadcaster Al Michaels come by, when we're in Los Angeles, it, to me, it's just a treat. Like my dad, my dad passed away a long time ago, but my dad loved Al Michaels. And to, you know, have him in studio, it's like, sometimes you say to yourself, you get used to it, but you should never take it for granted because someday this whole ride will end. You guys are on this part of your ride in sports media and it's great, but there will be a day someday when you're like, no more Super Bowls. It, it, it happens to everybody. And so when you have Al Michaels in studio, you say to yourself sometimes, this could be the last time. And make sure you take a mental picture of it because it's pretty damn cool. Paul, I'm going to piggyback maybe a little bit on that because you, you've been on with us. You know, we love stories and you're a man who has a multitude of, of stories. So or I'll I, make them up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That works, too, because that, that's the beauty. <laughs> Sorry, of it. Exactly. That's the beauty of it. Like, that's like we used to go to the pub and before IMDb and people would be like, hey, you you're, you remember when Denzel Washington was in Dallas? And you're like, right. he was. But yeah. I, I, I suppose I'm interested because because you've had the opportunity, I suppose, to talk to not just big names, but really interesting, engaging, entertaining people on, on the show. Who, what are some of, of the, the memories of people that you've talked about comedians, you have broadcasters, you've had players? Who are some of the, the ones that you've really thought, wow, that, they were really engaging or, or really entertaining? To, for me, because it, it's such a big question. I've been doing this for a while with Dan Patrick. Sometimes there are people come on the show and you there are certain people you just don't expect to meet in life. I mean, you just, no matter how big our show is or however, whatever you want to think about it, I expect to meet Joe Montana. That's kind of what we do for a living. That's not that surprising. But we were at Pebble Beach one time, and Clint Eastwood came onto the set, the actor Clint Eastwood. And he comes walking over. He's about 85. He's kind of frail. And uh, I walk up to him, and he's the most intimidating SOB you've ever met in your life, and he's 85 years old. I go, Mr. Eastwood, I'm Paul Paps on the Prusier Show. He goes, good to meet you. And I was like, holy sh! I go, it's Clint Eastwood. And the voice was just like, it was good to meet you. And, uh, and we were all like, we were peeing our pants, man, when Clint Eastwood walked on the set. And it, like, we were both intimidated and blown away. But we've had other people, like, I picked up the phone one time. We worked six months to get President Clinton on the show. And all of a sudden, I pick up the phone, and the security person for President Clinton, or the PR person for the president, he's the president of the United States, goes, the next voice you hear will be President Clinton. I'm like, my, I was sweating from ears to ankles. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm like, this is the Dan Patrick. He goes, Paul, it's Bill Clinton. I'm like, oh, my God, he called me Paul. You know, and I talked to him for a total of maybe 20 seconds. I go, Mr. President, thanks very much. Next voice you hear will be Dan Patrick. Let's have some fun. He goes, DP. And that's the last thing I heard, and I put him on hold. And things like that just stay with you because there's just certain people you don't expect to ever talk to on the phone with, and you never expect to meet in person. And um, I could probably go on for two hours. We've had those type of people in studio before, and it, it really is surreal. The great actor Michael Douglas. Um, we invite, he was promoting his show. I think it's called the Kaminsky method. And, uh, about two years ago, we invited three years ago, we invited him in studio and shockingly he said yes. And I asked his PR person, I'm like, this is Michael freaking Douglas. I mean, he's a big time old school Hollywood superstar. What the hell is he going to do and coming on our little sports show? And the PR person said he never gets invited to do sort of shows like yours because people don't think he's going to say yes. He goes, he loves sports. He goes, he loves Dan Patrick. I'm like, Oh my God. And he came walking in 
He looked like a million bucks. And that guy's probably 80 years old almost. He had this tan suit on and a blue shirt. His hair was perfect. And he comes walking in and he was nice to everybody, which is the best. When someone of his level is super cool and super nice to everybody, you're kind of like, like, wow, that's why that guy's a star, because he also is not just very talented. He treats people that way. So those are those are the ones. And I, you know, once I start rolling, I, I could do more names. But I think the experience of them being very normal, cool people is the best part of it. You don't have to tell a story and say, like, hey, we met Keanu Reeves. and He was a jerk because he wasn't. He actually took the subway to our studio in New York and just came up by himself with no PR people, no agent, nothing. And it was really cool. Oh, well, the weekend was great in LA. One of the highlights was actually interviewing Coach Rivera. We'd been yeah. asking the question for 14 months, and they said, yeah, you can interview him, and you can interview him the weekend you're in LA, which is even even better. Um, I have a lot of fr friends who are Bears fans, and I told them you were coming on, and they all said, can you ask Paul what his thoughts are on the new coaching structure? And obviously, you now the Cleo Mack trade has gone through, so your, your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, you know what? Um, as a longtime Bear fan, I don't get too high or too low. I try to be right in the middle. There's a new coach. There's a new uh, general manager. I wish him the best. I have very little expectations of anything. I've I've seen the Bears play in the Super Bowl. I've come to the realization in life that I may never see the Bears in the Super Bowl again, and I'm okay with it. I got a Bears Super Bowl. I got a Cubs World Series. As I think I maybe mentioned to you guys last year, my life is kind of over with that type of thing. I made my requests, and the big man came through. Look, I like what they're doing here. They got Justin Fields, the young quarterback on a rookie contract. That's always a good thing. He seems like a talented kid. I hope they get some people who could block for him. That'd be really nice. Um, they just traded Khalil Mack. I understand that because you're not competing for a Super Bowl next year or the year after probably. So Khalil Mack, it's a waste of money. Um, let's get a couple picks, which we don't have a lot of picks, and uh, ship them out to a team that can't hurt us like the Chargers and move on and you know draft a younger you know, a uh, cheaper version of him, hopefully. So as a Bears fan, I, with Aaron Rodgers in the division for two or three more years, it's like uh, I'll, I'll catch up with you guys in three years. And I think maybe then I'll be all back in because I don't think anything's going to happen in the near future. But no Paul, the, Paul, the week before the Super Bowl, I said the Bengals making the Super Bowl, having won four <laughs> games the season before, gives all us hope. Giants fans, Bears fans, all these teams. Are, are well, strong. I think it comes down to um, – Every once in a while, you catch a great quarterback, a superstar quarterback. And um, Carolina Panthers did with young, uninjured Cam Newton. They went to the Super Bowl four years later. Uh, look at the, the Bengals had a, a pretty decent team, and they got this young kid who knows about winning. He won with LSU. And it, it's basically the league is, is can you master the quarterback position? Look at Patrick Mahomes, man. Nobody thought he'd be this. The Chiefs, other teams could have drafted him. There's, what, 14 teams that could have drafted Patrick Mahomes? He was not that highly thought about at college. One, you stumble sometimes into things, and uh, there it goes. You're a Giants fan. I actually think Daniel Jones is a pretty decent quarterback. I don't think he's as bad as people make him out to be, but I don't think he's a superstar. And so they're in a position now where how much patience do they have with unless you think he's going to be great? Because if not, you pull the plug. Look at it. If you go back to the Chiefs, they had, what, they had Alex Smith coming off a Pro Bowl appearance, and they moved on from him. They said, hey, we gotta we got to search for the highest-end guy, and – Keep that guy for 12 years. So that's kind of where that's kind of where the Bengals are. They they somehow got Joe Burrow and, and Jamar Chase who put those together and you should have a really nice decade ahead of you. We're gonna be rude and try and do a couple of rounds each year before we go. Don't worry. We're, we're gonna try oh, to yeah. keep it mellow. Um Paul Pat Pat Fitzgerald, Paul Pop stay Northwestern, Dublin, yeah. August. 
You flying over, yeah? Uh, I don't think I'm making that one, but uh, it's good because people say I look like Pat Fitzgerald, the, the head coach of uh, – if I had about 20 more pounds on me. I'm not I've that, seen the picture. Yeah, I'm not that beefier guy, but I've got the broken nose like Pat Fitzgerald. I just didn't break it playing football. Someone punched me in the face like in uh, 1994. Um, but, yeah, I think – you know what? The funny thing is the next time we go to Ireland, I, I hope it's with the Dan Patrick Show guys. Uh, I don't know if you heard this one. A couple of years ago, we were talking about going to Ireland and going to the Guinness uh, storehouse and the brewery and all that stuff. And we were in the middle of a show talking about it. And Dan's like, we got to go. We got to go. Dan's never been. The other three guys in the show never been. I think I've been to Dublin three times. And um, uh, we're like, okay, we got to go. We got to go. Will Farrell, the actor, was listening to our show that day. And he has our hotline number for actors and guests and celebrities and whatever. And we had Jay- about an hour later, we have Jason Sudeikis on the show. He was promoting a movie that he was in. I'm not even sure the name of the movie. Or he may have been promoting the first season of Ted Lasso. And we're in the middle of the interview with Sudeikis, and the hotline rings. I pick it up. I'm like, the past show is Paul. He goes, Paul, it's Will. I want to get in on this uh, Guinness trip. I want to, let me get in on this Guinness trip. He goes, let me, let me talk to Dan. I'm like, yeah, sure. I go, uh, we got Jason Sudeikis. He goes, oh, we're, we're like best friends. And all of a sudden, Dan puts Will Ferrell on hold and goes, uh, Jason, hold on a second. Uh, what's going on, Paul? I'm like, yeah, Will Ferrell's on hold. And Will is such a good improviser. He goes, hey, Dan, hey, uh, Jason, I'm sorry to interview, interrupt your interview. Uh, what are you guys talking about? And he just like jumped in and started goofing on Jason Sudeikis and telling stories about him running around naked or something at SNL years ago. But Will was like, I'm not kidding. I'll pay my own way. I'll, I'll pay your way. He goes, I want to go. I want to go to Dublin for a week. And so uh, Will, to my knowledge, Will still hasn't gone. I know he went to England a couple of years ago, but I don't think he's I don't think he's been to Ireland. I got to double check on that. Well, uh, op- open invitation, obviously. Uh, obviously you got to, what is it, a president, prime minister, whoever's in charge over there, tell them to do like a declaration and just invite Will. Yeah, I mean, Biden's basically Irish as well. I mean, just yeah. do, do it do it in like July or August and give us like a week's heads up and we, we'll have a crazy time. Man, that'd be great. Will Farrell for a week in Dublin, the content would be great. Absolutely. Uh, but Paul, I, I want to take you back to last week and your the the tragedy of the pizza and the oh. and the cheese and what happened and I, I, what I'm wondering is have you like for view, you know for viewers that who who might have seen Paul, Paul had an incident with a pizza and the cheese mm-hmm. well, how about a third of the cheese was off the pizza well, I'll explain it this way and I'm gonna ask your guys opinion and when you guys order a pizza and it's delivered to your house you know I'm pretty loose about stuff if it shows up it's great my wife always up and she goes ooh like, oh like a good ooh and she goes no one fourth or one third of the pizza had slid off. It slid off like a lava flow and was basically off the pizza and kind of congealed in this corner of the box. And I was like, eh, eh. you know, she goes, do we, do we ask for another one? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, it's a little hot. They probably slid it on the chair in the, in the car and it's no big deal. And, uh, but she asked a question. I'm like, yeah, we, we keep it. We kept it. I just did some, uh, excavating and, uh, like putting down mulch, I just put the cheese right back and just went down. And um, but I posted it, said, What would you do here? How would that work with you guys? Let's say you were thinking about sending it back in America, that seems like a dangerous proposition. I mean, I, I, I'm, wonder, I'm just wondering on this though, what, what I was wondering was, Have you ever had this happen with it where you've ordered a pint of Guinness and you got a bad head on, on the Guinness? And, and 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 have you ever been in that position where you had to make that decision? That's a good question. And here's the thing. I, when I you know, learned how to pour Guinness properly, and then I went to the storehouse and really learned how to pour it properly, 
when you go to a pub and you see someone pour a Guinness improperly, I think it gets in your head and you think that the beer is not going to be as good. It's pretty much going to be the same beer, but the experience has been cheapened in some way. It's like, uh, it's like missing the uh, first five minutes of a football game. Like I, I've gone to, you know, they, you know, they pour it all the way to the top on the first pour and you're like, Oh, it's going to spill over or, or there's too much foam. And you're like, Oh no. And the last thing a bartender wants to get is advice from some moron on the other side of the, the table. But I, I, I'm, I think I'm a, like you guys, a little bit of a Guinness elitist when I go into the pub and watch them pour. Uh, Brian O'Leary, Paul, below us here, uh, Hollywood yeah. Park Casino. Yeah, Gold. I was just about to say, go on, you said I'm like, had an experience with Guinness, uh, Brian, if you want to. We arrived at, so we have me and Mark, who's not here to see, we arrived around nine o'clock LA time. And that would have been five o'clock in the morning Irish time. So I just said, look, we need to stay up as long as possible. So I asked the hotel and they said, oh, the, the casino around the corner is open. Went in, saw the bar, saw the Guinness. And I said, fantastic, I'll have a Guinness, please. And I I took one sip and went, this needs to be returned a ASAP. <laughs> okay, so was it flat? Was it like wrong? Combination of everything <laughs> was flat. It was didn't taste anything like Guinness. It was, it quickly got returned. However, you know, uh, Paul, I, I haven't told Brian this. I haven't told Brian this. Hmm. Brian and Mark, sorry, Brian, Mark, and Colm all went home early on the Monday after the game. Hmm. So I was sitting in the casino by myself. What did I order, Brian? A pint of Guinness. It Same casino. It was lovely. It was creamy. It was lovely. It was grand. It, do you know what? It was easier to drink. It was like light. I don't know. It was nice. But I think you had a bar, a bad barman in, in that casino. I, I don't know what happened or what. The... Yeah, I wonder because like the, I know so I, I bartend a little bit. Sometimes if the lines aren't clean, stuff gets in there, and it could be kind of junky and can give a flat taste to the beer. If someone doesn't tap the keg properly, a lot of the CO two, a lot of the pressure can come out. And little things like that can ruin an entire keg of beer, which is a tragedy. The, Paul, the guy had no understanding of what I was talking about in terms of what I said to him about how is this point being pulled. So I quickly ended the conversation and reordered another drink. Oh, so you were you were grilling him. You weren't just saying that was for life. You were you yeah. were a full court press. Yes, I was. <laughs> the pizza you. thing, though, going back to this pizza thing, I, I was going to, Brian. I'm not sure if you've seen Paul's pizza, but Paul. And I mean this in, in a loving, caring way. Yeah. As somebody that lives in the countryside, I, just outside of a town, population of about 15,000 people, we have a takeaway, we have a Domino's, and we used to have a Papa John's, which is now gone. It was the only Papa John's in Northern Ireland, but that's a whole discussion for a different podcast. There's the pizza. Paul, for me, the, the pizza was fine, Paul. I, I, I was like going, come on, man, that, that pizza's over. But man, the replies in that tweet, Paul. Oh well, sometimes I don't. There needs to be a font on um, on Twitter for sarcasm. Like I wasn't suggesting that I can return it. I was asking people's opinion of the situation. And I got thousands of replies. Well, people like, dude, get over yourself. It's a good looking pizza. I'm like, I, I just asked a question. I'm not anti of this pizza place, but like people do get very upset and they don't understand. It's just like an experimental question. But you know, we I live outside of New York City, but we live really close to a town called New Haven, Connecticut. And that may not be what too well known where you guys are, but that's where Yale University is. That is a hotbed of pizza. No, no pun. It is yeah. kind of a coal oven fired pizza with a kind of a medium to thin crust, and it's definitely kind of a char around the pizza and on the underside. It's really popular. I used to live in New Haven when I worked at ESPN, and it was, and I lived on. There's a street called Worcester Street. It's got four high end pizza places, like high end, 
world class. People would come there and, you know, it got kind of busy. I hadn't been down there in a while. I went back on a Saturday afternoon. There was lines. There was traffic. It, it's like become an American tourist destination, New Haven, Connecticut. And if you don't plan accordingly, you could be waiting like two hours for a pizza. It's, it's almost like it's gotten not played out because the pizza is so good, but it's, it's, it's a tourist destination in America. There are people from all over the place. It's, it's pretty neat. And I used to live on the backside of some of these pizza places, and uh, they're pretty high end. They're pretty good stuff. Um, final round of questions, right? So, so okay. we'll all we'll all get a good question in here. Can, can I just firstly say, Paul, finally before I get my question, and I, you know, the the thing that has changed since we last spoke is we can now visit each other's countries, okay? Which is mm-hmm. a good thing. Yeah. I, I had the the very lucky thing of going to Chicago there before Christmas. Jesus, what a city, lad. I mean, like, boy, Chicago's unbelievable. Like, Paul, like, let's just start off here. Lou Malinati's for a start. But, and like, and to, to, to be fair, the Bears organization have been top class. To, to, yeah. To, and I have to say they're, that, 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 that they're fantastic. But um, seriously, though, and I've, you've, you've sort of answered it, are you going to come over this year, do you think, to, to Ireland? Or are you just going to sit on a Saturday during college football and send me put, put up pictures of lovely deli sandwiches and annoy me when I'm hungry at, like, 4 o'clock? I I would like to get over in winter. I've only been to Ireland in spring, summertime. I've never been in fall, winter, so that'd be cool. Chicago's really, I I don't know internationally what people think of it, but a lot of people are like, I got to get to New York or Los Angeles. Chicago is a lot prettier of a city, in my opinion, than Los Angeles. There's maybe bigger, more to do in New York, but Chicago has that coastline of Lake Michigan and big buildings. It's a a really good-looking city, and Blue Malnati's Pizza, the place you mentioned, there, there's a handful of them in Chicago. That's been pretty high-end stuff. Some people don't like the deep-dish, double-thick casserole-style pizza. That can be a bit of a crapshoot, and that's kind of like a little more – this is the inside dope on Chicago pizza. Chicagoans don't really eat that deep, thick crust pizza. That's more for visitors and maybe an old-school night out with people who haven't been to Chicago in a while. It's become more of a tourist thing. That's not saying it's not good. But most people in Chicago eat kind of this thinnish crust pizza, medium to thin, that's cut like box style, not in like like this. It's more like it's sliced, slices, like little squares. Yeah, little boxes. And that's what people in Chicago and the outlying areas get mostly. But if you go to the city, you can have both. There's a place, Lou Malnati's is great. And there's a place called Pequod's. It's on in by DePaul University. It's sneaky. It's not for, uh, it's, it's one of the best. Pequod's. On, uh, I think on, it, it's 2,400. It's easy to find. But Lou Malnati's is very trustworthy because it's kind of this medium crust, not as deep, very tasty, always reliable if you ever visit Chicago. Um, the one thing, I think when I was in Dublin, we ate at some good places. I don't think we, of course, I don't know if we ever had pizza. Is is pizza considered like no-go in Dublin? Like don't even bother because you're missing any other good thing? Oh no, there's some there's some really good because because of because where we got such a, a great kind of Italian community, right. uh, we got some serious pizza places here. Okay, and Belfast Paul's got some nice pizza places. There's a there's a place opposite the Europa Bus Center, which is very underrated after uh, maybe a few casual shandies. I think I mentioned it last time, but that restaurant we went to, Matt the Thresher, Matt the Thresher, is that the Right. Oh, St. Yeah. St. Stephen's Green area, that was uh, that was pretty uh, high-end stuff. I remember that really well. But the one thing, we were in a place called O'Donohue's, and yeah. uh, that's a really fun pub. We got uh, a burrito at about 12, 2 in the morning. 
it's still with me. That burrito was traumatic and a traumatic experience. I got it from some type of food truck outside, and, and I don't know if I've ever gotten over that experience. The beer was fantastic, but the burrito was uh, – it came home with me. Let's put it that way. It's, it's part yeah. of my life. I, I'd say the the Italian the Italian food great probably probably burrito on the street. Maybe, Where were you guys not. in 2016 when I needed you? <laughs> well, we're we're here now, so you'll you'll have to come over. But I, I when you were saying New Haven, I have cousins there, and I, that was the first thing I was like pizza. Uh, that's what yeah. comes to mind, and it was the first time I had they, they brought me to a pizza place. I had garlic potatoes on a pizza. It was yeah, it was fantastic, but. One of the things, Paul, I suppose my final final question uh, from me, uh, following you obviously on Twitter during the season, and you appear to enjoy, um, like many of us, but me in particular, Debo Samuel. How much fun was was Debo to watch this, this year? And he he could do anything. Has has Debo kind of changed the the game a little bit? Are we going to see great entertainers doing a whole lot of different things now? Well, I think he's a unique player. Um... I, I've liked him for a couple of years now. And, you know, I think <clears throat> if you're a Niners fan, you know all about the guy. He never really got his due because in college he was not a huge name. And I watched him last year and this past season, well, the start of the past season, he was carrying that team, you know, literally, not figuratively, but they was, he was carrying them, running the ball, catching the ball. He he battles for every yard. He never goes out of bounds. He's kind of a throwback player. He'll do anything. Like his numbers should be X because he plays every position on that team. And I think he started to get his due the second half of the season. And there are certain players like that. I think Jamar Chase is like that for the, for Cincinnati where he can play running back. He's not just a wide receiver, catches the ball and gets dragged down and really easy. Debo Samuel's a handful to deal with. And, you know, I, I like on, on the Dan Patrick show, sometimes I'll pick a few guys who I think that aren't getting their due and I'll try to, like, bring them up a little bit more often with Dan in the show. And, you know, Dan knows his football. Other guys know their football. But I think local fans in San Francisco or whatever town you're from, when you hear your player getting mentioned on a national show, you're like, yes, someone's realizing what we have here. And I think that's if you consider yourself a football aficionado like we do, you can't just talk about Tom Brady all the time. You have to talk about Debo Sam. You can't just, you know, mention Dak Prescott all the time. You gotta you gotta get to the next level athlete and say, like, okay, you know, Aaron Jones, the running back for Green Bay Packers, he's just as important as anybody. Nobody talks about him on a national level, but the guy catches 70 balls and runs for 1,200 yards. It's He's severely underrated. No one talks about him as the best running back in the league, and I, I would take him as, as much as anybody. So I, I like kind of talk about those second-tier players if I can. Paul, it's a long offseason, but this week, like March Madness, free agency frenzy, whatever you want to call it, this week is always crazy with players going here, there, and everywhere, and crazy money being passed around. Mm. How does the Dan Patrick show prepare for a week like this? Is it essentially – Free agency predominantly, or will the the new MLB in terms of the the contract news this evening be uh, the topic of conversation? The best thing for us is when live, when stories break live on the air. We were uh, doing Tuesday's show, and we were discussing Aaron Rodgers. I think it was was did Aaron Rodgers. It was that that was Tuesday, correct? That he agreed Tuesday around eleven twenty eight Eastern. Eastern time. Right. Yeah. It was about ten o'clock that morning, and we were going our second hour. I go, you know what? I go, this Aaron Rodgers story seems like it's close. I had no inside knowledge. It just felt like by he hearing what the NFL experts were saying that it was going to be done in the next three or four days. I go, why don't we do our official picks next hour where we think he's going to end up? Let's do it before because once it's over, it's over. The story's over once he decides to stay. So when the story broke on the air, we had um, 
Nick Wright, he's on Fox Sports on the air as a guest with Dan Patrick. I'm in the producer's chair. One of the things I like to do, if I can, on our show is to surprise Dan with the news. Not just like, here, Dan, here's an email, read the news. I like to see his reaction live. And I think that's a great thing to see on TV. Dan, I think, trust me that I'm going to do it in the right way. I'm not going to put him in a bad position. So all of a sudden, the guys in the room go, hey, the Aaron Rodgers news just came. Dan's not really on his computer. Dan's focused on the guest and discussing the guest. And so I go into Dan's ear. I go, Aaron Rodgers made his decision. I want to tell you on air. Get the reaction. Just give me a little head nod. And Dan turns goes, Paul, what do you got? I'm like, Aaron Rodgers had decided to, and I strung him along a little bit, stay with the Green Bay Packers for four years. And they go, oh, and it's neat to see the real reaction. And it's fantastic. And we don't get lucky like that every day. But I remember years ago, it was Brett Favre. I think I maybe mentioned this on your show. Jay Glazer from Fox Sports calls me during the show. Says, put me on right now. I got a monster, a monster story. Put me on, put me on. And I go, what is it? He goes, Favre's retiring. He's he's retiring from the Packers. I'm like, just nobody has this. Put me on. And I was like, oh, put him on the air. And I told Dan, I go, Jay Glazer has a bomb. I go, go to him now. And we didn't tell Dan what it was. And so Dan's reaction with the Favre story was real on air. He goes, oh my god, like he put his hands on his heads, on his head. And I think as a producer, that's my job is to. You know, because at home, and you're, if you're driving in your car or you're watching on TV, when you see a story, you go, what? You do whatever. It's pretty cool to see Dan Patrick do that. It doesn't happen every day. It doesn't happen every week, but it's super cool when it does. It's, it's great to see your show grow and grow even more. Obviously, Peacock in the States. Um, Thank you. And NBC owning Sky over here. Hopefully, um, like I, mean, I, I can't speak for Sky, but hopefully maybe with Peacock, we now have Peacock a little bit on TV here. Yeah. Hopefully that can go on the NFL channel alongside some of the NBC content this season. Let's see what happens. We'll try and uh, see, what, see what we can do there. But Paul, seriously, man, and we said it off air, we'll say it on there. Um, it's been great to get you know you virtually. Hopefully we can meet up for a few pints this year, maybe in the in Vermont or in Dublin, we'll, we'll, we'll see the crack. But just honestly, thank you so much for the support that you gave us. Just give us, and if it, if it wasn't for people like you, we wouldn't be here at the minute. So obviously, well, I think what I you guys are doing is important. The NFL needs uh, you only need one or two shows in a in a country to serve the community. There's lots of people in Ireland and England that grew up watching BBC back in the 80s and 90s, and they they want some football coverage. And, you know, someone's got to do it. Everyone sits around and goes, I wish there was a show. You guys said, let's do a show. Let's just do it. And I'm sure you've noticed over the past two years that there's a demand for it in your country. And, you know, the cool thing about you guys is that, you know, there's people you might be able to get on your show. Like, I think you can get the commissioner of the NFL on your show someday. They want to grow the show in Ireland. And if I were the commissioner, I would go on your show. And then that would get a lot of coverage in Ireland and serve his purpose of growing the show. If there's a show in England, they should do the same thing. But, um, I'm sure I'll be seeing you guys in Arizona next year for the Super Bowl. You guys will be the big sets and the sponsors. <laughs> You'll be, I don't have time for Paul anymore. We got, uh, you know, we're going to have Pat Mahomes on the show and all that kind of stuff. Oh, come on. Come on, here. <laughs> Pat Mahomes, he, he could be preparing for a Super Bowl. If, if, if we're going to start this whole jinx. Thing. <laughs> no, Paul, seriously, man. Like, like seriously, and like, just continue success. And, and thank you so much for the continued support because – it really helps us massively. And yeah, we'll definitely meet up at some point. But seriously, happy St. Patrick's Day. No firefighter antics this year. Yeah, it'll right. be fine. Yeah. Not getting punched in the face this year. At least, you know, that's the plan. That's the plan. That's the plan. Happy St. Patrick's Day, fellas. Thanks. Thanks.